Hello, pod pals, and welcome back to Best Girl Grip, the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. I'm your host, Nicole Davis. This week, my guest is Kat Buckle, an agent at Curtis Brown in their film and television department, where she represents a range of talent such as director Stella Karadi, writer and actor Emma Siddy, presenter, podcaster and writer Talani Shanai, comedian and writer Jack Rook, and many, many more. We talk about her route into the world of talent agenting, how she built her own roster and what she looks for in potential clients, how she manages client expectations and sets boundaries, how she deals with both the competitive nature of the business and as well as when clients might want to move on, and her proudest moments as an agent. It was a real treat to chat with Kat. She was really open and generous and I think gave lots of valuable insights into what it means to be an agent, as well as what to expect if and when you are looking for representation. So I'm really grateful for her time. This is episode 85 of Best Girl Grip. So to kick things off, I'd love to know where you went to university, if you did, and what you studied there. Yeah, I went to the University of East Anglia, in Norwich which was a lot of fun and yeah I was thinking about it the other day actually and I was thinking remembering that I actually really wanted to stay in Norwich because I think I just had such a fun time it's a really fun city and then it's that always that thing and then you actually start sort of looking for a job there and you're like "Hmm, (laughs) maybe not there's like a few theatres there the puppet theatre as well which is um one of the only puppet theatres, I think there's about five puppet theatres in the whole of the UK, did put on a show there once whilst I was at UD. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird and wonderful place, Norwich. And yeah, I had an amazing, really fun time doing, I did drama there. So the jobs that you were looking for afterwards were in the kind of theatre world? Yeah, this is kind of embarrassing, but I did, I think people know this about me off they've been on a night out with me, but I did used to want to be a dancer. And I was a stage school kid, like proper, you know, ballet, tap, jazz, hip hop from like a really young age and was doing a lot of like the dance society stuff at uni and getting quite sort of into that, which was great. And I left uni thinking I could, you know, I could carry this on. I could like, you know, do some choreography or like become a choreographer and then sort of started to actually look into um what that entailed and it would have meant basically entire like retraining entirely and going to dance college and I think my mum was also like okay so you've just been to university (laughs) maybe not the best idea that didn't last too much longer but I always sort of carried on dancing just as a, a hobby on the side. So then how did that eventually transition into you know maybe wanting to be in the film industry like where did that kind of interest start to arise for you? I'm trying to remember now exactly sort of if there was a moment or if it was so my older sister is a dancer and ballet dancer and performer and now a sort of choreographer and manager of um of, and producer of shows so she was always my sort of go-to with talking about industry stuff and I think we were talking about casting she had a friend who worked at Gina J's casting so she recommended that I you know I said oh just I just sort of picked that I think because I sort of maybe I was doing a bit of reading and I thought oh that sounds interesting and she said oh yeah you know you should write to a bunch of casting directors and see what you can 
what you can get. And I think I went into the Casting Directors Guild website and literally wrote to, it was quite sad and pathetic, really. I think I wrote to every single casting director <laughs> in all of London, like living at home at S- in Essex with my family being like, how can I get out of Essex and do something else for the day? Just being like, I'll come and work for you for one day, one week, I'll do, any- I'll do anything. What do you need? And loads of them replied and were really nice and just said, you know, like, thank you, but like, can't because we can't. We don't have any money to like pay an intern. And then Gary Davey did let me come and work with him for a month. And he paid for my train ticket and some expenses to, um, yeah, come and work with him for a month. And that was my sort of first entry point into it all. And did you ever think about pursuing casting? How come you kind of veered away from that line of work? So, yeah, I was definitely, definitely thinking about it. So I did the month with him, yeah, and then I think I was still looking for internships and different things to do. And Independent had a branding side of things that was, yeah, that started off as an internship. And I did that for about a month and they did, they still exist, ITB. I think they sort of exist aside from Independent now as their own entity and do sort of commercials and yeah, branding deals, licensing deals for lots of top talents and yet yeah, after a month of interning there the office manager was leaving and she said oh why don't you just apply for this job because I was just getting to, you know after a few months out of uni and doing some internships you're a bit like kind of need a salary now um <laughs> <laughs> or like a salary would be nice yeah so then I did that for a year then left to go on a sort of mini mini traveling break for a couple of months and then when I came back, I think I thought that I was going to be able to just go straight back to ITV and like have there would be a job there waiting for me. And there wasn't. So <laughs> then I carried on the search for like different types of internships. And actually, I think the same, my sister's friend at Gina J's then said, oh, you know, if you're still interested in casting and that side of things, Curtis Brown have this amazing internship that you should apply for. And then here we are. The rest, as they say, is history. It's history. It's all Curtis Brown history from there, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what was that like? Kind of, that was, I presume maybe you'd had a bit of a background uh, being an office manager in sort of that kind of world, but maybe it was also completely new getting to, getting to grips with the kind of agency world. Did it feel like, you know, a big, a big step up? I think it felt okay, actually. I think that they were sort of quite pleasantly surprised with my like confidence and competence because I had had this terrifying month with Gary (laughs) Um, where I was you know thrown in yeah like properly at the deep end like just like when you're new to working in an office just answering the phone is like the scariest thing Mm. and especially like on the casting and acting side like Casting directors are not going to wait for anybody to tell you that who they're doing the availability check on, what the dates are, like it all very quick. Mm. And I think because I just and then being office manager where I was sort of managing, you know, there was about 30 people and, you know, just I guess could just deal with like that sort of admin and phony stuff quite quickly that I sort of, yeah, I think I managed to just sort of like flag it a bit to be honest <laughs> I had no idea what anyone was talking about still but I could just <laughs> I could I could do the work <laughs> yeah, absolutely and that's quite a big part of it I guess particularly being an agency because it seems to be quite a not hierarchical but you know there's a rise you know you cut your teeth as an intern and then as an assistant and obviously yeah learning to do that admin side of things is is such a big part of it are there any other like elements of the job that you felt like yeah you really had to cut your teeth on before you're allowed to sort of graduate to the next step I definitely feel like everything I've done I've always been very thrown in the 
deep end, but I'm sure that everyone always, always feels like that. But the sort of main office that I was working for when I was the intern was with Olivia Woodward, who was on maternity at the time. So Rachel, who was her assistant, had sort of stepped up to sort of look after the list, really. She'd been there a few years. So she was herself like taking on like quite a big responsibility and then I sort of ended up stepping in sort of really to then assist her we were sort of both just and it was a time and they were looking after Tom Holland at the time when he was sort of just like things were really he was just in that film in the impossible film and things were like it was an amazing thing to see like (laughs) and to be like I got to go to the impossible premiere and like doing things like that when you're yeah. an intern essentially but it was it was it was so fun and I was I felt very very lucky to have been able to sort of be such a just see it all so close up and like really be part mm. of that not saying I was like doing any Tom Holland deals or anything but you know <laughs> like I was very much like absorbing you know uh, yeah yeah seeing seeing that all that all happening really and so you started out in the actors department, but then you kind of moved over to the, the film and television department. So I'm wondering at what stage that kind of happened and what piqued your interest about working in yeah, film and television? To be completely honest, I tried to get a job in the actors department and I didn't get one. So <laughs> I then stayed on and that was after three months of being the intern and then I stayed for another three months after that and was sort of trying, I was trying to apply to like other agencies and get like a, you know, a full time job. But as is often the case at Curtis Brown, other jobs then come up. Like Mm -hmm. it was, there's a lot of like, we all, like it happens quite a bit that people like never leave. (laughs) 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 We can't leave. Yeah, you just sort of move around. And to be completely honest, yeah, I was, I was trying to get a, a job as an actor's agent assistant somewhere else and then these jobs came up when Sam and Nish and Cynthia all got promoted at the same time so there were suddenly three jobs going in that department right and I was like I don't really know what they do down there but um, maybe <laughs> I should just go for it and yeah and then I did I got the job to be Jess Cooper's assistant it all worked out and then I just sort of learned as I was as I was going really I think that's really important to say though like because you can sometimes think that yeah every moment in your career sort of happens as a moment of choice or by design whereas yeah sometimes things don't work out and you're forced to kind of you know just change change to a path that maybe you hadn't planned for yourself so that's always you know definitely and I think that there's like such a mentality of current culture like work culture sort of for young people I think sort of gives this impression that like oh if there's something you want you got to go out and get it and it's like if you I was really trying to get what I wanted and I wasn't <laughs> yeah. getting it so it's like sometimes you're trying and you just got to take the other thing that's there because it's just there and then you just never know what it will lead to yeah and every yeah. opportunity is an opportunity to learn um I guess and I'm, I guess I'm wondering as well you know what were you doing as an agent's assistant you know besides answering phones and maybe dealing with diaries and scheduling kind of what are your main day-to-day responsibilities in that role yeah I mean it's a lot of admin and sort of being yeah that having systems in place and sort of like organizing the agent's list and all of the clients you have to just make sure everything is running smoothly and I think as well when you when you first start there's a lot of sort of like figuring out how the agent who you're working with works as well because you've sort of then got to fit in alongside them and like complement what they're doing and if you know that if they want things done a certain way that you kind of just have to have to or no you can make 
suggestions but like you know you've got to you've got to um figure out that that good working relationship and when you say suggestions is that for you know projects that you might be putting clients up for like what is it that maybe you're able to kind of feed into creatively yeah there's definitely feeding in ideas for for suggestions or even just like different ways of working and you know like might be a way of like tracking certain projects that the agent hasn't hasn't thought about so I think like definitely if you can like help make their life easier then they're more likely to then but you know you sort of have to I remember just saying like you you kind of need to have like all like your current list and everything all under control even though that's sort of an impossible task having everything under control all the time as an agent is not really possible because it's always something that's not going to plan Mm. but you know sort of be on top of the systems and like no everything works before and you know feel like you're servicing everyone who you're working with before you then are going oh I saw this playwright or I saw this new writer or like oh I went to see the show and it's just like okay we'll just take a beat and like look at what we've currently got and have you know is there is that person then going to be complimentary on the list and is that so yeah I think I went through it took me a little while before getting that balance right as well and at what stage did you start to build your own list? And was that something that, you know, you self-generated and thought, okay, I'm ready? Or Jess, you know, said, okay, I think I think you're ready to start doing this for yourself. You know, how did that come about? I covered Jess's maternity leave after a year of being her assistant. So again, it was like very much sort of um, baptism of fire. And with the help of all of the other brilliant agents in, in the department who um, helped me loads, but I think it was sort of after that, when she came back from maternity, I think because I had really sort of solidified, OK, yeah, I really want to. This has been really hard, but like, I, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. So then when she came back, it was it was just a case of, you know, sort of gently like introducing her to people who who I thought were great and her sort of agreeing to let me sort of have a few people under the umbrella of her list. And then other times there were people who we took on together and yeah and we still co-agent quite a few people together now got a really good relationships that's nice and that's sort of quite a lot like a lot of other um younger agents like Curtis Brown who have sort of come up under the umbrella of other agents do the same thing and we also co-agent some people who were her clients originally and who I just got on really you know just made sense to me to sort of stay on their mm. on their team really so yeah it was just sort of an organic process really Is it a supportive environment in that sense? You know, it certainly seems like one, but I know the kind of agency world can sometimes sort of come across as quite competitive or, you know, it it would seem like if there's a finite pool of talent that maybe you're all grappling after the same people, but, you know, perhaps it's not like that at all. Not so much in our department. I think that definitely like the hot young actors that are coming out of drama school, you know, there's definitely like instances where you you know they're meeting multiple people from the same department but I think actually that might the culture of that might have changed a bit now and if there's multiple people who want to meet the same client or they've written to a few people in the department we sort of probably naturally would just have a conversation about it or we just naturally realize who is the right person mm. for to, to meet that client or like with Gabriel Bissett Smith for example he 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 wrote to me and Nish I think and then we decided to do to rep him together and obviously a big part of your job is kind of the spotting of talent um how did you kind of learn how to trust your instinct on that you know you're seeing someone you think has like a kernel of something how do you go yes there's someone that I should definitely be representing yes it is just that sort of cliche thing of saying it is your gut instinct of when you know that somebody 
has something special. I think even if you don't know in that moment, oh, uh, I could sell that idea to so and so, or I could, I could. That show would be a channel four comedy, this thirty-minute show. You know, it's it's just it's just knowing that they have something to say, and most of the time for me that they make you laugh a lot as well. Yeah, a lot of my list is it's all sort of stemmed from the comedy world really and from going to Soho Theatre and The Fringe and then it sort of branched out in all these sort of different ways and mm. same with the clients like this you know people who have started off doing stand-up and sketch comedy have now are now writing books or Talani from The Receipt start off doing podcasting now writing scripts and also books along with the other girls and it's just but yeah everyone's just sort of made me laugh and I've just felt like they've had a had a unique voice. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because obviously, yeah, there's that comedic kind of through line to your um, roster. So I'm wondering, you know, was that just you going with, yeah, your taste and that you were more interested in comedy at the time? Like, how did that sort of come about? Yeah, when I talk to other comedy people, I realise that I'm really not a comedy nerd. Like some <laughs> people are. Like I, I did watch a lot of PTK when I was younger. I was obsessed <laughs> with the PTK VHS. But you know, I'm not like. I don't have encyclopedic comedic knowledge but it's just what I just yeah when I first went to the fringe when I was doing a really really bad show with some friends from uni I just saw a lot of it because that's just what you know there's more comedy than there is anything else in the fringe isn't there and you go and yeah. see some theatre at the fringe and you're like okay I'm not going to go see any more of that because that was that's not for me uh, no, I love theatre, but some of the fringe theatre is questionable. So, yeah, I just loved, I was just really loving watching it. And that's when the moment you realise, you're like, oh, I could just, this is actually going to be my job, just going and watching these really <laughs> funny, amazing shows. And then just the more you see, the more you realise what your what your taste is and you learn, okay, so they were all in that uni group, that uni comedy sketch group together. And then now they write with them, okay, and then they meet them, you know, you sort of, put the pieces of the puzzle together of the fairly small world that it actually is and then obviously as well as a young agent when you're kind of you were first starting out to build your list how are you selling yourself to put it quite crudely to that potential client and saying I'm the right person to represent you you know what does that conversation look like uh, yeah I'm not really sure how I sold myself or if I did I think I just tried to be really like fun and enthusiastic to be honest and just quite just quite honest you know like it's quite clear like that I'm young <laughs> you know like I can't I can't deny like if someone else is, be- is being approached for representation by someone with many more years on me or like this like an amazing list of famous people essentially I just don't have that that's not what I've got so I sort of have to and I think the I guess my sort of enthusiasm and and time because I did have a especially I mean I've got a longer list now but it's still pretty small again like that's something to sort of that I try and be wary of like that's also quite a good thing to hold on to for a long as long as you can that you have a small list and therefore mm-hmm. you have more time to spend on the clients that you do have yeah I've definitely felt it at times you know if if clients have gone to you know left and gone to other agents with more experience I sort of gone through periods of you know beating myself up a bit about that but then it's like well there's, there's literally nothing I can do I just am the age I am <laughs> and yeah the, the clients that that I do have really appreciate I think what I do for them 
and I hope anyway, and and we have great relationships. And I also see it that we're sort of going on the journey together. You know, like as I'm growing and building and more experience, we're going on that that journey together. Really, I'm really interested in that idea that yeah, that I am the agent that I am. So I mean, a slightly esoteric question here, but I'm wondering if there's sort of a philosophy that you feel like underpins your your relationships with your clients. You know, do you see yourself? as a caretaker you know is there is there something that you apply to all of your relationships or is it very much dependent on the person and you modulate depending on what they need my philosophy is which i said the other day and everyone was laughing at me so we did these agent talks internally everybody on my list if everybody on my list turned up to a party would i be happy that they were all there so it's people who are nice and people who are fun and who you know you're not necessarily going to be best friends with every single one of your clients, but I think you just have to enjoy the relationships that you have with with them all ultimately. And each, yeah, each relationship is is different. Some people, you know, yeah, are close friends even, you know, and 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 then you end up talking about more than just you know advice on work. You end up talking about all sorts. Each client, yeah, is is fun and someone who I yeah respect and like spending time with really and I'm wondering yeah I'm, with that idea of balancing the different needs of different clients you know how many clients do you represent and how do you prioritize those those many different needs that must be coming in at all angles it's around 30 ish people and yeah I mean it's just like with with any job really where you have multiple things things to juggle it is just sort of working through day by day and I've definitely got better at having you know balancing priorities and what I need to get done because I was definitely for a long time working like when I was an assistant or when I was probably just maternity I was working really long evenings and just like working all the time because you're working on people's lives and their careers like there's not an end point you could work all night long every single night and there would still be something to do. So at some point, you do just have to stop and just go, okay, I'm just going to have my evening now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, you know, it, it's never ending. And I think sort of, yeah, just having good communication. And I like, I communicate with, with clients and they do back to me as well, quite well on sort of, you know, what needs to be done and what's, or if there's something outstanding and also admitting if, you know, if you've forgotten sometimes things slip past you and sort of just being open and honest really yeah definitely the best the best way to deal with that I mean you, you spoke obviously there about setting boundaries I guess for yourself in terms of work-life balance but then I'm also wondering how you set boundaries with your clients because as you say you're, you're dealing with their lives the stakes are pretty high it could potentially get quite intense so how do you how do you manage that relationship I don't think you you, you can't manage it you actually just have to I think anyone who's an agent has just come to terms with the fact that it is an intense job mm. and if if you couldn't handle it then you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing it because yeah it, there's no way to unlink like what the people's creative life with their per it's always interlinked in some way and especially in this industry you know so much of it is uh, you know network you know just like relate it becomes really personal relationships mm. with the people who you work with and the producers and the so yeah you sort of have to just maybe not a very helpful answer but there is a certain level of acceptance of of intensity but I think just always remaining as the agent you know not getting caught up 
in the intensity I think just accepting it and being the calm presence for your clients yeah remaining grounded yeah absolutely Mm. but then obviously you can stay grounded I imagine and then but your client you know particularly when you first get an agent it's a big step it can feel very exciting and like things could you know have the potential to escalate very quickly how do you sort of manage their expectations and sort of say you know this is this is just the beginning of what is hopefully a very very kind of long and fruitful relationship yeah I think I probably tell people always it's going to be we're in this for the long game you know don't expect the checks to be flying in straight away (laughs) but and and also I think because I'm working with a lot of people who are taking their first steps into either from theatre into TV or they're going from stage to screen or things are building momentum so it's and and most people who I work with aren't aren't in it for the money Mm. including myself like to be honest not which you know my boss at Caterham maybe don't want to hear me saying that but um you know most everyone who I work with definitely is is doing what they do because they love it and the fact that if they get a big payday for something then that's that's just yeah a real that's a bonus so yes it's definitely sort of it's a it's a balance but and I think just also being quite transparent with clients as well about different because people talk to each other as well you know about Mm -mm. how much you get paid so you sort of have to which is a tricky thing to find yourself in sometimes an agent but sort of being open and honest and saying yes maybe one day your script fee would be that or one day your 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 money will be up here but at the moment it's here for these reasons Mm. and you know I'm going to do all I can to to get you the most because you deserve that but like these are the reasons and sort of I think giving wider industry sort of context on on things can can be helpful as well sometimes that balance I think when you're learning to negotiate or I mean you learn to negotiate by just negotiating so you sort of just have to do it um when when to push things and when to actually go okay yeah we've landed in a good place here and you're happy to give me that and I'm happy to to take that to my client I'm also then wondering how you decide you know you were speaking there sort of about your clients transitioning from perhaps one sector to the other or you know trying trying new things and is that something you're kind of pushing and saying I think you'd be really good at this or are they coming to you and saying I think I might like to write a screenplay how are you deciding you know what projects to put your clients forward for? Yeah I've definitely approached people like yeah Talani for example from the receipts I I was listening to the podcast and yeah as she says I slid into her dms which <laughs> I did and I I was just you know I'd, I'd seen that she'd, she'd done some work at BBC before like a bit of producing and working on some tv stuff uh and was a journalist as well and in that instance I was just I just thought she's got such a great voice and you know she, obviously she hasn't done any um tv writing yet but definitely think that that's you know an option for her and I don't think she knew who I was or what I wanted and and yeah then when we started working together it was it was just a case of sort of making introductions and I think she's yeah she's now got a script question which is great and has been working on some really cool stuff but equally again just sort of knowing that there's someone has a great voice and and something to say just from there has sparked so many different things you know I was lucky enough to then like help them with their Spotify deal and represent Audrey and Milena as well and that was a podcast and 
their book deal as well which is coming out this summer and you know various sort of branding and sponsorship deals all of these different things just have been sparked on from yeah not not me sort of emailing somebody saying can I put this person up for a job you know it's just it's been really it's been really organic and then with with one thing then it will spark another another idea Mm. and I think just sort of being open to that which most of my clients are and because most of them all do at least one or two other things as well you know Mm. podcasting book writing screenwriting presenting that yeah they're sort of open to lots of different types of opportunities that way. I'm wondering if that would be your advice for any kind of up-and-coming writers or performers you know looking for representation you know is it is it more about honing your voice and focusing on the work regardless or you know irrespective of the medium through which you do it what would you say is the best route to getting an agent I know that's quite difficult and there's not there's not one route but yeah what what would be your advice for people in that um, situation yeah I think so I think the more you do then the more people will see you and then the agents will the agents will come to you that's what has happened in the most part for like a lot of my list mm. and um and I think that way it's yeah that, that relationship is sort of it starts with a sort of you know that someone has come to that the agent wants to do the work for you I guess I think that there yeah there can be a lot of focus on sort of like writing to like hundreds of agents mm-hmm. and trying to get people to come and see things and I think trusting in your work that it will that it will speak and and drawing in its audience I think building I mean it's such a hard time at the moment to build an audience it's just I really feel for you know the whole comedy world and performers and writer performers because so much of ha- what they do is is getting up on stage and trying something out and I've really got my fingers crossed that this summer everything can get back on track a bit yeah yeah come back hopefully stronger stronger than before as well um, yeah and then given that you're sort of a one-woman support system for your clients um where do you then turn for kind of support or advice you know be it within the industry or outside of it Every single person who, who in the in my department, Kevs Brown, definitely, they all get calls from me all, all the time <laughs> asking the most, you know, sometimes it is big, long, epic sort of existential questions. <laughs> Other times it is, you know, tiny little inane questions, but they are always, well, yeah, they're always there for me and they're, they're great. We're a very supportive team. And does that happen so, kind yeah. of across agencies as well? You know, like, are there people in other agencies that you would seek for advice? Or again, is it sort of a protect your own mentality if that's not too... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, def- no, definitely. And, um, you know, your clients will end up working with, you know, if they co-write something or, or team up with other people who are represented by other agents, that you end up, you know, negotiating with agents from other agencies and yes we are friends <laughs> and we socialize and we see each other at a lot of parties in in normal times you know so you get to know people we, we sort of have to be because like the you know the changing nature of the industry and the contracts and mm-hmm. all of the different things that we are doing every day you know the whole of, yeah we all have to sort of um club together 
yeah the more transparency and collaboration I guess the better yeah and then is, is there something that you consider to be like your proudest moment you know be that I guess it's I guess it's hard you don't want to pick one of your children if it's like client-based but you know just something that you cemented the idea that you're good at what you do I guess, I mean, again, I, I don't want to pick a, a, a favourite child. Tolly's already got quite a lot of airtime, but <laughs> I guess it was quite, seeing their, seeing their Spotify campaign on a billboard, you know, seeing billboards with your clients' faces up, which I'm sure that I have many more to come. My Many more clients are going to be on billboards in years to come and they're all, all their shows and all of those things are going to be, out there in no time I know but you know sort of seeing some seeing that was was amazing I was just really really proud and and happy that was something that they've built from the ground up and I think just to sort of have a part in that and and seeing their work then be celebrated on this huge platform really nice makes it all worthwhile and then if that's kind of the favorite part is there something that you sort of consider to be the hardest part of your job contracts are quite hard (laughs) Mm. yeah in in terms of the side of brain that you're using like what about the like understanding the the nitty-gritty of them? I don't think yeah I mean they're just you know we, we we're all sort of have amazing lawyers in-house that we use a lot and who are brilliant and you know we're all trained and it's actually you know amazing that we have this access to this all of this knowledge but there are sometimes if you know you're you're feeling not you know you've got a bit of a brain brain fog that day and you oh but I've got to read this contract and you're just like some days you just go how do I I don't even know how to do this <laughs> <laughs> especially in lockdown I think everyone has <laughs> yes. felt that thing on their brain just be like I actually can't even say a sentence but yeah there's always help on hand to deal with that stuff you know you've got to just admit what your strong suits are sometimes and mine is not reading lots of paragraphs of a contract but yeah I think it's all it's all about confidence well I think that the more you that the more you do them and as your clients progress and your deals get more complicated you know when you first start getting into those complicated deals Mm. it feels really alien and you can feel like oh my god this responsibility all lies on me about the you know the entire future (laughs) spin off of this project forever and ever and you know you might make mistakes before you know it's it's got to just focus and and do and do your best really but you raise an important point like there's confidence but yeah as you say there's the confidence to ask for help and admit when maybe you don't know something like that's definitely in and of itself I think that's definitely one of my like biggest learning curves is just messing up and you're like what am I doing (laughs) yeah totally and speaking of learning curves, I mean, I'm wondering if there's something that you, yeah, consider to be the biggest learning of your career so far or something that maybe would have been helpful for younger cat to have known? I think it's probably what I was talking about earlier and what I've touched on earlier is it was about clients. I had, to be honest, I had a few clients leave me last year and it all happened with it, like in a really close period of time. Mm. And it was quite... I felt like I was doing something really like I must have been doing something really wrong. And I think it was just really just unfortunate timing because everybody else around me was telling me I was great. Even the people who left were, you know, telling me I was great, but it was just, you know, something wasn't clicking mm. and, you know, you sort of really doubting yourself. And I guess it, that's just sort of, it's just an 
an overall agent philosophy and lots of people at Perth Brown, you know, always say that, you know, you can't, it's not by force, like I can't, if, if someone doesn't want to be represented by me, then it's like, that is, that's okay. Mm. And, and people move agents all the time. And, you know, that again, like we were talking about earlier about the personal and is all interlinked. So if somebody leaves you or doesn't want you to be their agent anymore, there's no way of not feeling like, <laughs> what like yeah. taking it personally and then sort of you know an, uh, analyzing your yeah. what you've it, what you've done it sounds very like a breakup I'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah it, it is it totally is but yeah you know it's just one of those things and it's also like toughens you up a bit I guess that it sort of had to mm. happen you know it's gonna happen at, at some point there's no agent who has looked after the same list of clients for their whole life and then finally, I'd love to know if there's a film that you've seen recently, it can be an old release, um, from a woman director that you consider to be a bit of an undervalued gem. I mean, I should point out you have a very great poster of The Farewell on the wall, so I take it you're a fan of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, I love The Farewell, and I do not represent anybody to do with the <laughs> film, even though I have a poster in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. I'll, I'll mention St Maud. I mean, it's not really... an it's not an underrated gem because it's been nominated for loads of stuff, but it's the most recent female directed movie that I've watched. And it was, it's incredible, disturbing and emotional and Morford is incredible. Mm. So yeah, I would recommend watching. I watched it when I was very hungover, which was <laughs> maybe a very weird decision to make. <laughs> But it sort of added maybe like an extra element to it. Yeah, <laughs> full kind of psychological, emotional experience for you. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Kat, thank you so much for joining me, especially of an evening. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks so much. Thank you for downloading this episode of Best Girl Grip. You can find all my previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. If you're particularly interested in the world of talent agents, I've also interviewed Roxana Adel at Independent. I'll be back with another episode next Tuesday, but in the meantime, have a wonderful week. Music